Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. For those who don't know who I am, I am uh, Elder Marcus Arrington, and I'm pleased to be here. I'm a son of the house. Amen. And uh, today I have the opportunity and the distinct pleasure and privilege to be able to share with you in the word of God. Uh, I want to mention a verse that's related to grace before I dive into today's text. Uh, If you would, please uh, just listen to me for a moment. I want to read Romans 5 and 21. I know, media team, this is a bit of a pivot. I didn't intend to do this, but just read, just, just hear what I read for a moment. It says, so just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace, everybody say grace. God's wonderful grace rules instead. I'm so glad that grace rules. Come on, it's, it's a good thing to know that sin does not have control. He says, grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the reason I wanted to share that is because uh, Bishop has been teaching on grace. How many have been blessed by those messages? Now, listen, if you missed the spire on Wednesday, you, you, you missed a tree. Uh, he went deeper into the, 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 the nature of grace, and he talked about the art of receiving and uh, saints of God. I'm telling you, God is doing something for us that's so spectacular. He's helping us to understand the, the work of Jesus Christ on an entirely new and complete level. And I'm just excited about it because God is doing something wonderful in me. Amen. Come on, tell yourself, tell yourself, say self. God is doing something wonderful inside of you. Now tell your neighbor, say neighbor, don't be discouraged. God is doing something wonderful. In you. Hallelujah. If you would, please join me. Turn to the word of the Lord. First Timothy chapter two. And we're going to begin to read in verse one. First Timothy chapter two, we'll begin reading in verse one. And I have the new living translation for all those who may be curious as to which particular translation that I'm reading from. First Timothy chapter one, verse two. Scripture says, I urge you, first of all, this is Paul writing to Timothy and he's giving instructions for the church. He says, pray for all people. Now, that's a sermon right there. Some of you got pricked right there. Pray for all people. 
Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Verse 3, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved. Somebody say, Jesus is for everybody. Come on, one more time. Jesus is for everybody. Who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. This is what I love. For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. I'll stop at verse 6. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. I want to use for a text today the sermon title, We Need to Meet. Anybody ever told you that? We need to meet. And if I could offer a subtitle, I would say that this is unpacking the power of intercession. We need to meet unpacking the power of intercession because in this text, Paul is giving instructions to a young pastor and he's telling him to make sure that as he leads the church that prayer is a, a, a cornerstone, a prayer is a critical component of the activity that you engage in. He says pray for all people. And as we begin to embark and in fact go further and further into our endeavor around neighboring, I'd like to submit to you that this work of reconciliation, this work of sharing the lights, the life and the love of Jesus Christ cannot proceed. It cannot prosper. It cannot be successful unless we lead with intercession, unless we lead with prayer. In other words, before you just go out and begin to do activities, there needs to be some prayer that goes before that thing. And today I believe that we'll make the case as to why it's important and how to actually go about doing that. Is that all right? Somebody say, we need to meet. One more time, we need to meet. By show of hands, and I need you to be honest because after all, you are in the house of God. By show of hands, raise your hand if you actually enjoy going to meetings. Ha <laughs> ha! Now, if you look around, you will see the lack of hands that are actually being raised at this time. I'm not surprised by that response because while we understand that meetings are necessary, most of us do not like attending them. Right? We understand the utility of meetings, but most of us don't really like having to go to meetings. If you're like me, uh, my, my, my job consists of having a lot of meetings. And they're not always pleasant meetings, right? But, but meetings occur because two or more parties have to get together. They assemble to reach a particular objective or discuss some kind of business matter. Now, I know when Bishop did the sermon on your, your labor is not in vain, we had folks from all kinds of fields who stood up. And so I'm going to list and enumerate different types of meetings, and I'm sure that one that you've been a participant in will be shared. Uh, there are evaluation meetings. There are staffing meetings. For those of you who, are in the, who have been in the military or currently are, you get debriefed. 
That's a type of meeting. There are introductory meetings when you are perhaps courting a, a potential business partner. There are training meetings. There are team building meetings. There are disciplinary meetings. <laughs> there are committee meetings, school board meetings, kickoff meetings, town hall meetings, all kind of meetings. Meet, 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 meet. People meet for a whole lot of different reasons. And every meeting has a different purpose. Meetings have different effects and they have different impact. You know, so, some of the most interesting meetings are meetings that involve relationships. Well, you don't really know what's going to be uh, unveiled or what's going to unfold or what's going to be unpacked. Anybody ever see that movie? It was a remake. Guess who? When a young lady came home and the parents knew that she was bringing home her, her fiancé, but the package wasn't what they expected it to be. The package was a little bit different. That made for a very awkward meeting. If you're like me, you've, 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 you've participated in enough experiences in life where you recognize that, you know what, the wrong meeting can ruin your life. The wrong meaning can mess you up. And some of us come to the altar because we had the wrong meaning. Hallelujah. You know, and it's, it's funny, when I prepare messages, a lot of times movies come to my head. And so I was thinking about the movie Friday. Anybody remember that urban classic, Friday? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, think, if, I think Smokey knew that it was a meeting that probably was going to mess his, his, his dating life up. Anybody remember that scene when... Uh, he, was on the, he was on the porch with Craig, right? And the car pulled up. And Smokey was like, that's Janet Jackson. And then he walked up to the car, all cool. And when he looked in the, he looked in the vehicle, he said, he said some other choice words. And the young lady got out because, after all, Smokey had been, he had been hooked up by somebody named Debbie. This was Debbie's friend. He had not seen her before, but this was a meeting that was going to take place. Smokey was unhappy to make it short. He was unhappy. And so the young lady said, you going to call me? Smokey said, I'm going to call you. But then he said, but if you come here again, I ain't going to call you. But then he proceeded to say, don't you ever, 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 come by here, okay? <laughs> How many remember that scene? Smokey knew that, at least for his purposes and his interests and his taste, that meeting was not the meeting that was going to enhance his dating life. I believe he was like Carl Thomas when he wrote that song, he said, I wish I never met her at all. Right, the wrong meeting can ruin your life, but on the flip side, the right meeting can revolutionize your life. It can refresh your life. It can revive your life. It can bring restoration to your life. It can turn things around. For some of my old heads, you remember the song by Roberta Flack, the, the first time ever I what? Saw your face. Come on, that was a meeting that had life-changing potential. For those who are Matrix fans, you like Neo and Morpheus. Remember when Neo first met Morpheus? 
That was a meeting that changed his life. He said, we, you, I have two pills. You could take the blue pill or you could take the red pill. And he gave him the conditions for each pill. Neo chose to take the red pill and it changed his life forever. He tapped into his purpose, into his eternal potential, and he was moving towards destiny because of a meeting with a person named Morpheus. When you have newborn babies that enter the family, I'm just establishing a platform for why meetings are important and the variety of meetings. When you have new babies that come into the world, that's a meeting of a beautiful kind. That's a meeting that's very special and it does wonders for families. So much so that Stevie Wonder wrote a song about it when he had his daughter. He said, isn't she? Come on, I got some song, some, some song followers in the room. Meetings are important, and there are a variety of different meetings. And I would argue that the best meeting that those of us who were saved ever had was when we met the Lord. Come on. How many remember that day, that month, that hour? That year when you had a meeting with Jesus, as we direct our hearts and incline our minds to pursue neighboring, it's important that we understand that all of our efforts will essentially be wrapped up in a series of meetings. In a series of meetings, somebody say, we need to meet. Now, it's very interesting that when I look at the word intercession, the Hebrew word for intercession actually means to meet. It is the word paga, P-A-G-A. It's pronounced paga, and it actually means to meet. It has to do with intercession. And I believe that as we move further today in the teaching that God will help us to understand what intercession actually is on a whole new level. Because most of us, because of our limited upbringing when it comes to prayer, we've only perceived intercession as an opportunity where a few people gather on an off day, meaning it's a non-service day. Sometimes it's in a big room, sometimes it's in a small room, and they pray over a list that has been generated. And we call that intercession. Now, there is a type of intercessory prayer. But God is going to help us to understand intercession on an entirely different level. I guarantee it. Today, I believe by the spirit of the Lord that he's going to lift the cap off of our prayer life because of this new understanding. When I look at Webster's definition of the word intercede, I don't really find prayer. Webster says that the term intercede means to go or pass between to act between parties with a view to reconcile those who differ or contend, to mediate or to make intercession. Now, that's interesting because in none of those words did I see prayer. And if you think about it, based on this definition, I think of a particular profession that engages in intercession all the time, and we call those folks attorneys or lawyers. You see, lawyers intercede for clients in the courtroom. When there's contractual meetings that have to be conducted, attorneys will represent various parties. They are, they are the go-between. They are the representative. Secretaries intercede on behalf of their bosses, or departments have representatives that they send to meetings 
to make sure that the interests of those departments are upheld. In this way, we understand that intercession involves delegation. It involves authority. It involves representation. In other words, if I can summarize this very shortly, intercession can be viewed as mediation or representation that is accomplished through meeting. Somebody say, we need to meet. Intercession then is something that is not just prayer, but it can be accomplished through prayer. I'll say that again. Intercession is not just prayer, but it is something that can be accomplished through prayer. Intercession creates a meeting. In other words, when we begin to intercede on behalf of someone or some person or some organization or some country, what we are essentially doing is meeting with God on their behalf. And so there's a meeting that I did not enumerate, and that was a prayer meeting. That's what we call prayer meetings. So this Friday on the 24th, I know that it's, Labor, it's Memorial Day weekend, uh, but I believe that there's some folks that have a, 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 an appointment and they need to meet on that day. And that's what we're going to be looking forward to do, meeting with God on behalf of others. Somebody say, we need to meet. Intercession creates a meeting. Now, I want to backpedal a bit and provide some clarity around Jesus Christ because whether you realize it or not, have heard this or not, Jesus is the number one intercessor. He is the number one intercessor. Now, to give you a little bit of history, let's go back in the text. Adam was created by God. He was God's representative to the earth. It was Adam's job to, to govern, to, to, to manage. It was his job to rule and to execute God's will on the earth. He was God's go-between. In essence, God, Adam was God's intercessor. Think about it. He, he was representing God to earth, and he was representing earth to God. He was the go-between. The, the, the writer in Psalms marveled at God's creation when he created man. So much so that he asked the question in Psalm 8, 4 and 6. He says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made us him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. The scripture tells us that Adam or mankind was made in the image and likeness of God. In other words, again, Adam was the representative of God to the earth. Now, this is how powerful this is, saints. Creation, in some instances, could not tell the difference between God and Adam. That's what it means to be in his likeness, to be made in his image. The Hebrew word for image actually means uh, an illusion. In other words, you do a double take. You ever been in a situation where you, you thought you saw somebody, but it really wasn't them? But the person you saw so much resembled them that you thought it was them? That's what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God. Creation had to do a double take like, oh, I thought that was God, but it was Adam. In other words, Adam was God to the earth. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be clear in a moment. Well, how can you say that? In other words, Adam was the caretaker of earth. Whatever was going to happen in the garden was Adam's responsibility. 
He was invested with the weight of the glory of God. He was invested with the full authority of God. That's why God could tell him, Adam, you name the animals. You give them identity. You keep the, you keep the garden. You, you work the garden. You cultivate the garden. In other words, Adam, this garden is only going to be as good as you make it to be. He had full authority. He was the intercessor. But we know the story. Adam failed in large part because of a meeting that went bad. Right? A meeting that went bad. Who met? The serpent met with Eve. And that meeting went bad. Moving on, the word tells us in Romans 5 that Jesus Christ is the second Adam. In other words, with the first Adam messed up, Jesus came to clean up. Isn't this interesting that mankind, who was created to be an intercessor, to represent earth to God and God to the earth, himself needed an intercessor, needed somebody to go between him and God. Jesus Christ came to intercede for both God and man. He came to be the mediator between God and man. He was God's representative and mediator to man, and he was man's representative to God. He was the go-between. I want to say anybody, anybody under the sound of my voice, if you are not saved today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ in the pardon of your sins, you can be saved today. But guess what? You must have the right representation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's just like in those scenes, in those movies, in those TV shows where the person has been arrested and they're in a holding room or they're, they're, they're being interrogated and they come to a point in the question and they say, I want to talk to my lawyer. Somebody say lawyer up. Huh? Come on, say lawyer up. You don't have to stay in your sins. You don't have to be stained by guilt. You can lawyer up and the lawyer, the chief advocate is Jesus Christ. He is your intercessor. 1 Timothy 2, 5, the Paul says, For there is only one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. See, I didn't, I didn't understand, saints, when people would sing songs and they say, he'll be a lawyer in the courtroom. I didn't understand that for years. But I get it so clearly now. Come on, he's your advocate. He will represent you. Hallelujah. Come on, let's go a little bit further. I, I, I want to make sure this is really plain and, and you able to see. Go with me to 1 John 2 and 1. 1 John 2 and 1. I'm still in the New Living Translation. 1 John 2, 1. Not the, not the Gospel of John. This is the epistle. 1 John 2, 1 is after Peter. He says... My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Hallelujah. Somebody say lawyer up. Come on, if you, if you feel bound by sin, if you, if you feel like you got the weight of the world on your shoulders, you have a representative on your behalf. He'll come in. All you got to say is, Lord Jesus. The Bible says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. 
Psalm 85 and 10. I'm unpacking this thing. We're going to move, but I'm, I want to unpack it because it's going to help make neighboring that much more clear for us. Psalm 85, 10. Somebody say, we need to meet. I'm so glad Jesus met on my behalf. Now, in this psalm, the psalmist captures for us the power of Jesus as our mediator. In this verse, the scripture says, Loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. In other words, if we look at the cross, you have the vertical and you have the horizontal. See, God is holy and he cannot be in the presence of sin or sinful man. His truth won't allow it. His integrity won't allow it. His justice won't allow it. Well, then how then can mankind be reconciled? Because God also has mercy. God also is love. Come on. God also has grace. He has kindness. And so what we see in the cross is a beautiful marriage. It is a beautiful meeting where God's mercy, love, kindness, and forgiveness have a meeting with his truth, his justice, and integrity. And we have the cross. In other words, the cross then, look at this cross. The cross then is a symbol of intercession. It reminds us not that Jesus prayed necessarily, but that he did a work of mediation on our behalf. Hallelujah. That's something to be shouting about. That's something to be excited about. In other words, if Jesus didn't go between you and God, if he had not shed his blood, come on, you would still be in your sins. Somebody say, we need to meet. Now, I got to go a bit further because I want to make sure that we leave here today with the full understanding of what it means to be an intercessor. Hallelujah. That Hebrew word, pauga, it also has a, a connotation of violence. And if you look in the Old Testament, I won't go there for time's sake, but that term, that word is also used as it pertains to warfare. Warfare. Now, it's about to get real good. Go to Proverbs 17, 12. Proverbs 17, 12. We're walking through the word this morning. Proverbs 17, 12. Now, many of you who read this chapter, you probably read over this verse and wonder what it actually meant. I'm going to give you some clarity today. I'm going to give you some revelation today. It says, let a man meet a bear. That word meet there is the same word, pauga. Let a man meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool in his folly. Let a man meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool in his folly. Now, this is a business meeting of a different kind. Come on. Now, I happen to work in a profession where I see a whole bunch of, of mama bears come up to the school on behalf of her cubs <laughs> because somebody done touched one of her cubs. And guess what? The meeting that they're trying to have is not one that's evaluative. It's not a debrief. <laughs> it's not a staffing meeting. Come on. They're trying to put fist to cheek. Come on, they're they, they trying to do some butt whooping and take some names. They're trying to open up a can on somebody because they done touched their baby. Now, mamas, you understand what I'm talking about. Come on, 
You know you, I know you say, but you got the attitude like, I wish a, a ninja would. <laughs> I, I wish, hey, even if, hey, you got grown children and you still got that attitude, I wish a ninja would. Touch mine and see what happened. <laughs> it's going to be some consequences and repercussions around here. <laughs> I, I'm saved, but I still got hands. Hallelujah. Pauga has a violent connotation. In other words, when Jesus interceded for us, he was not just meeting with God and saying, Lord, forgive them. He was also meeting with Satan and saying, devil, loose your hold. He destroyed the power of the enemy. In other words, God was like the bear robbed of its cubs, and the robber was Satan. And God in his wisdom had a prearranged meeting at a place called Calvary. The Bible says that Jesus went to a place uh, that in, the, in, in, in that time was known as Golgotha or it was translated the place of the skull. Now, I find it very interesting that this place, Golgotha, is related to Genesis 3.15. In Genesis 3.15, God didn't just make a threat. He made a promise. He said, Satan, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And guess what? It shall bruise thy head. Where did the cross get mounted? It was on Golgotha. It was on the place of the skull. That signified and symbolized that, this, that, that the seed of the woman was bruising the head, the, the head of the enemy, bruising his authority, stripping it back from him. When my mother was a school teacher, uh, back in the day at Webster, I used to go to the game sometimes the basketball games, and the cheerleaders used to do things like this, little cheers. And I remember this one. They used to say, oops, upside your head. Say, oops, upside your head. Come on, join me. Oops, upside your head. Come on, put the hand together. Come on. Oops, upside your head. Say, oops, upside your head. One more time. Oops, upside your head. Say, oops, upside your head. Listen, through Calvary, through the cross, God went upside the devil's head. He bruised his authority. He stripped his power. When Jesus said it is finished, it was the ultimate act of intercession. The Bible says for this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So it was a twofold meeting. On one side, he was interceding and, and asking God and petitioning and, and mediating on behalf of man. On this side, it was warfare. It was warfare. It was a meeting of two kinds. Hallelujah. The Greek word for destroy is luo. It means to, to declare or determine that something or someone is no longer bound. It means to dissolve or to melt or break or beat something to pieces. In other words, through Calvary and through the finished work at the cross, Jesus dissolved the legal contract that Satan had over humanity, and he declared that we are no longer bound. Come on. The contract was voided when he said, it is finished. Not only did he secure redemption for us and freedom, but we got some other spoils. One of them is healing. One of them is deliverance. One of them is joy and peace and restoration. Jesus won the victory for us. And through prayer, we enforce the victory. He won the victory. Through prayer, we enforce the victory. I got to move on and talk about prayer means a little bit. Now, I'm going to give you a disclaimer. 
I'm not trying to make you mad, but I'm trying to make a case for why prayer meetings need to become more abundant. If we're going to do neighbor right, prayer meetings must increase. And I'm not just talking about here in the church. I'm talking about in all of our individual lives. You are an ambassador. If you are named by the name of Jesus Christ, Paul says, we are his ambassadors. We represent the king and his kingdom. And the number one responsibility of an ambassador is to pray, to petition the territory, the realm, the land that they are on, that they are in on behalf of the king and his kingdom. Somebody say, we need to meet. Prayer meetings create God meetings. Prayer meetings create God meetings. When we are used to create meetings, sorry, when we meet, we are creating meetings between God and humanity. We're actually asking God to make contact or to encounter other individuals. We're asking for reconciliation that's based upon what Jesus did. In other words, Jesus reconciled us to God, as I stated, and he broke Satan's hold off of our lives. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. So for those of you who never really quite understood, why do we have to say in the name of Jesus? Because he's our intercessor. The only work that that God respects is what Jesus did. It's not about you. Come on, we sing that song. Listen, I don't care if you got an Armani suit, if it's got seven buttons, pinstripes, right? If you got red bottom suit, it's not about you. It's about the work that Jesus did. Now, now if, if I can illustrate this real quickly, because I, I need us to understand this. It's going to make sense. Can I get uh, Minister Sam, why don't you come up, please? Crystal, my wife, why don't you come on up? Hallelujah. And Brother Cam, why don't you come up, too? Now, Brother Sam, you have the distinct privilege of being God right now, okay? <laughs> Stay humble, brother. Stay humble. <laughs> Stay humble. Stay humble. All right? Ashley, why don't you switch? Now, you need to stay humble, too, because you're going to be Jesus, brother. And then my wife, Crystal, is going to be a daughter of God. Amen? So the Bible says this in Hebrews 7.25. We can put it on the screen. Hebrews 7.25. Hopefully making this a little bit more clear. Somebody say, we need to meet. It says, therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. The King James says, he ever liveth to make intercession. Most of us have believed uh, all of our saved life that that is pertaining only to prayer. We have believed that this verse only pertained to, or it was a picture of Jesus Christ perhaps on his knees. I don't know how your imagination would allow you to view it, but Jesus Christ praying on our behalf. But I want to make the case that based on the definition of intercession, that this may not actually be talking about prayer after all. In other words, if intercession means to go between, if intercession means to mediate, If it means to actually be a representative on behalf of one to another, 
then Jesus Christ interceding on our behalf or living forever in the, after the order of Melchizedek as an intercessor on our behalf, as a high priest on our behalf, then perhaps it's not really talking about prayer. After all, in John 16, 26, he says, then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf. In other words, he's not saying that he's going to pray for you. What is he going to do? He's going to represent you to God. Now, I'm going to talk this through, and these folks, want you come up here so they can see you a little bit better? So, Minister Sam is God, Brother Cam is Jesus, and my wife is the saint or the, the believer that's in need of prayer. Now, imagine that Jesus is having this meeting with God. Remember, Jesus is our mediator. He is our intercessor. And here's what, and I, I need you to do like a, a pantomime, so just act it out, like act like he's talking, okay? So, this is Jesus saying, Father, you father. Crystal is here to speak to you. She's not coming based on her merits or her deeds, but she's here because of my work on the cross. She's here in my name. Remember, I've gone between you and Crystal, and because of me, Crystal has access to you. Now, Father, Crystal wants to ask you a few things. Now, here's God responding to Jesus. I do remember, son, you've made her one of ours. She came through you. Of course, Crystal is welcome. Now, then, now imagine uh, God saying to Crystal these things. Crystal, come boldly to my throne of grace and make your request known. Do you see that? Do you see that? Now, stay there. The Bible says when Jesus said, it is finished, the veil in the temple was rent in two. It was separated, signifying that the way to God has been made available to humanity. So that I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have to go to a priest and confess my sins to a man. Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man. And because of his work at the cross. All I got to do is go to the Father in his name, and this shall be done. Now, stay here. Let me get, uh, let me get one other person. Sister, come on up, please. And we're going to soon be, 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 be wrapping up here. Stand behind, sister, please. So now we get to prayer meetings. This is what's happening in prayer meetings. I just gave you, imagine she's at home in her prayer closet, and she needs to talk to God. When she makes her request, she makes it known in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the intercessor. There's one God, the Bible says, and one mediator between God and man. So now we look at the importance of a media team. Here's what I want to go to. Can you put up the C. Peter Wagner quote? When we talk about intercession and going before the throne of God on behalf of loved ones, on behalf of work, uh, co-workers, on behalf of those that we, we live next to, consider this quote. We're talking about meetings that impact the community. He says this, we must understand that our sovereign God has for his own reason so designed this world that much of what is truly his will, he makes contingent on the attitudes and actions of human beings. 
he allows humans to make decisions that can influence history. Human inaction does not nullify the atonement, but human inaction can make the atonement ineffective for lost people. In other words, prayer is not inactivity. Some people presume that if folks are praying in church, they're not doing nothing about what's going on in the world around them. Like scary people go to church and pray. I beg to differ. Wise people go to church and pray. Wise people fall on their knees and begin to go to God on behalf of those they love and they're concerned about. So the subtext for all of this is neighboring. And as I stated in the beginning, if we're going to effectively do neighboring, we've got to go before the throne of grace with prayer. Amen? So now we have Crystal going to God on her own behalf. But now she's interceding for, she's going to be an intercessor for somebody else. Hallelujah. Imagine that uh, this is her neighbor that's behind her. So we already saw how the work of intercession works. Now Crystal is interceding, going to God. On behalf of her neighbor, just face him, and she, because of what Jesus has done, is able to be heard. In other words, she's not coming based upon the fact that she gave tithes last week. She's not coming because she's an MVP. She's not coming because she was raised in church and her mother was on uh, her mother was uh, one of the mothers on, on the mother's board. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. It's not about her. It's about Jesus. And because of Jesus, she can approach, approach the throne. She can approach the, the throne of grace and find mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So now she's going to God on behalf of her neighbor. That's what prayer meetings are about. And here's the deal. It's supposed to be violent because on one hand, on one hand, I need, an, I need another male. I need one more male. Uh, Elder Lander, can you come up real quick? We're almost done. On one hand, she's interceding and she's, 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 she's declaring the promises of God for her neighbor. Let's imagine her neighbor needs healing. And she's interceding on her behalf. Lord, she needs healing. She's a believer, and she's, she's been diagnosed with X, Y, Z. God, your word says. But then on the other hand, there's warfare. Pauga also means to engage in the act of war. So while she's petitioning God on, on, on her behalf, she also is talking to the devil. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth, <laughs> whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So while she's interceding and saying, God, your promises are, yay, and amen in Christ Jesus, she's also turning to Satan and said, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. I break your power off of this sister's life. I destroy every weapon that's arrayed against her. I decree and declare Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against her shall be able to prosper. Hallelujah. Does it make sense, saints? God bless you. Give God a hand of praise for these. Thank you all. Somebody say, we need to meet. We need to meet. In, in, in closing, 
There's a couple things I want to share. First of all, the Lord dropped this in my spirit. Some of you have been carrying the weight of yesterday's wrongs. And here's what the Lord wants you to know. You cannot change what you did in the past. You can't. Listen, if you are in Christ Jesus, guess what? It's under the blood. You cannot change what you did in the past. And I want to say this by the spirit to some men. Listen, regardless of how you lived your life, you cannot change what was what once was. If you did it, you did it. But in Christ Jesus, guess what? All things are made new. Come on, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. New things have come forward. So forgive yourself. Loose yourself. You cannot change the past, but you can do something about the future. There's some of you men that you, you beat yourself up because you made some choices and you made some decisions that have impacted your family. Your son don't talk to you. Your relationship is fragmented with people that you want to be around and that you love. You can't change the past, but you can do something about the future. Hallelujah. You can alter things for that which is ahead. And I've got good news that you can have a meeting with God today at the altar. You can have a meeting with God today. And this is one of those meetings that can revolutionize, revolutionize your life. This is one of those meetings that can refresh you. This is one of those meetings that can restore you. This is one of those meetings that will rejuvenate and change your life forever. I've got good news. A meeting with God simply begins with a yes. <laughs> All you've got to do is say yes. And it can change your life. And because you are changed, those around you, your family, the broader community can be changed. I want to share quickly about Ananias. Here's what I mean when I say that it begins with a yes. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. This is after Paul is knocked off of his high horse. And he's blinded by the, the light of the glory of the Lord. And Jesus has a meeting with him. And in verse 10, the Bible says that now there was a believer in Damascus. Damascus was a city in Syria. Jesus said, pray for, uh, 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 Bishop been talking about ministering to our city, our neighborhoods, our communities. Pray for our city. We are like Ananias. We live in the city. It says, now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Has God ever called your name? Ananias. And here's what he said. Yes, Lord. If he would have not responded, it is very possible that the destiny for Paul would have been delayed. Here's why the Bible says, the Lord said, go over the straight street. To the house of Judas, when you get there, ask for a man named, from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Uh, imagine this. He lost his sight.
but God is showing him something. Imagine that. He lost his natural sight, but God is showing him something in the spirit. Can you imagine that some of the very people you walk past, God might have actually showed them you coming to them? And their breakthrough is delayed because when God calls you, you weren't listening. What did Sister Shauna say the other day? All the noise was going on. You were distracted by family issues. You were distracted by work issues. And God was calling your name on behalf of a neighbor, but you could not hear. God showed Paul, saw what was going to happen before time. Ananias was scared because he knew of the reputation of Saul. This man kills Christians. In other words, like many of like, like many of us do, myself at times included, we begin to question God. God, is that you? When he's calling you to minister to a particular person, God, is that you? Maybe that was that burger I ate, uh, that sub I ate, or maybe that's just me. Maybe that's not the voice of God. God, is that you? But the Lord says, go again, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And this is probably the most important part. Acts 9, 17, it says, So Ananias went. So Ananias went. In other words, he obeyed. Neighboring is going to be effective, saints, If we say yes, and if we obey. If we say yes, and we go. We need to meet. We need to meet with God so that we can hear his heart for those around us. I guarantee God will speak to you. I guarantee God has been knocking. I guarantee There is someone within proximity to you, whether you know them or not, whether you like them or not. They could be a sinner that's disreputable. They could be a sinner that is notorious. But guess what? Jesus died for them too. We said earlier, Jesus is for everybody. Hallelujah. The Bible goes on to let us know that Ananias obeyed the Lord. And when he laid hands on Saul the scripture says that there was something like scales that fell from his eyes he regained his sight he got up and he was baptized he ate food and regained his strength and from that point on Saul's life was never the same and guess what the church was never the same either two thirds of the new testament came forward why because Ananias said yes Because Ananias went. Because Ananias responded in the affirmative when God wanted to meet with him. Do we see this? Our meetings with God will lead to us meeting with other people so that they can meet with God. Somebody say, we need to meet. Ananias, in effect, people of God, became an intercessor. It was a work that he did, not just prayer. Yes, prayer. But what is God saying for you to do? 
Maybe it's take some food next door. Maybe it's pick up a card for that person in the cubicle next to you. Whatever it is, when he calls your name, make sure you say yes, Lord. And when he gives you the instruction, make sure that you go. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you that you would allow us to co-labor with you in your redemptive work. Thank you, Lord, for counting us worthy through the blood of Jesus to not only be a part of your family, but also to be ministers of reconciliation. Thank you, Lord, for the shed blood of Christ. We thank you that your love and your mercy and your kindness and your your grace met truth and met integrity and met justice and paved the way for our redemption. And though we die to our natural self, God, we thank you that we yet live and we live anew. We honor you today, Lord, and we we ask you, God, to give us strength to do the work that you've called us to do. God, may we be like Ananias who responded in the affirmative and said, yes, Lord. May we have the boldness and the courage, the compassion to go to those that you were calling us to. Father, break our hearts for those around us who don't know you. God, give us a desire to win our neighbors, oh Lord. May there be an intensity like never before. God, open our eyes, Lord, and like Saul, let the scales fall from our eyes that prevent us from seeing people as you see them, oh Lord. God, may we no longer look at their outward appearance. For you said man looks at the outward appearance, but you look at the heart. God, help us to see beyond the flesh. Help us to hear beyond their cursing and hear beyond their coarse talk, oh God, and hear beyond their foolishness, oh God. Help us to see them, Lord, as you do. Father, we, we petition you now in the name of Jesus, based upon his work. Do a work inside of us so that we may do a work for you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to call the prayer prayer team forward. Everyone is standing at this time. If you desire prayer, if you say, I want to meet with God, it could be salvation. It could be for healing. In fact, you may want to touch and agree with someone on behalf of your loved ones, on behalf of a neighbor. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to go on your own. Take advantage of these skilled prayer warriors here in the front. Allow them to link up with you so that you can be an intercessor, so that you can be a prayer warrior on behalf of that person that is on your heart. Again, you may have a particular need. The altars are open at this time. Please come. Don't miss your moment. Don't let pride be a reason why You remain stuck. You remain in the same condition that you were when you came here. Jesus did the work already. He defeated death. He defeated 
sin. He defeated the world. He defeated Satan. There is nothing that can hold you. There is nothing that can keep you from being who God created you to be. Take advantage of this time. Just going to wait a few more moments. Father, we thank you. We love you and we give you glory. In Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. Is our prayer this morning. We pray that you would go forward in the grace, in the peace, in the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. This day and forevermore. Amen. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkland Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.